Imagine sitting on a scenic hillside with your best friends overlooking a beautiful lake. You're gathered in a circle for an impromptu chat, and to your surprise, Jesus enters the conversation. He knew each of you by name, and he started asking deep, personal, targeted questions. Well, today on Insight for Living, Chuck Swindoll describes such a moment in the first century, and the conversation that ensued was recorded for eternity. Let's pick up the study that started on our previous program. Chuck is teaching from John chapter 21. He titled his message, Listening to Jesus Beside the Sea. Unannounced, unexpected, Jesus focuses in on Peter's eyes like a laser. He calls his name. Simon, do you love me more than these? Imagine being Simon. Your failure is known by all of your peers. You've not blown it once. You've blown it three times. They know that. They forsook him, but they never denied him. You've gone a whole nine yards and then some. Bad track record. Ah, he calls your name. You don't want that. And of all things, he asks a comparative question more than these. Could have meant more than you love fishing and all that goes with the career. Probably didn't mean that. It could mean, do you love me more than you love these men? Probably didn't mean that. That's a little remote. I think it means just way, just way you feel it means here. You love me more than you love these. He uses agape. That's the word Christians today understand. Agapao, supreme love. Do you have a supreme commitment to me that would cause all other commitments to be, to be eclipsed? Would fade in significance? Is your love for me so great that it's greater than any other love for anyone else, regardless of your own needs or wants or desires? It's that kind of love. It's a one-way love. It's not a reciprocal love. That's phileo. That's a fondness. Do you have supreme love for me? Well, he's on the spot. Verse 15 gives us his answer. Yes, Lord. You know that I'm fond of you. It's not agape. This is phile. This is phileo. This is a friendship love. You know that we're friends. If I were to pick a friend, you'd be one of them. And maybe more than any one of these. I, I have a fondness for you, Lord. You know what I believe? Forgive this preacher's imagination for a moment. I believe several months ago he would have said, Do I love you like nobody else in the group? Remember, he's the one who said, All others may turn away from you. I will never turn away. That's Peter three, four months earlier. But this is Peter after the denial. This is Peter after the bitter weeping. This is Peter in all the embarrassment and vulnerability of his fall. This is Peter at his best, unguarded, not trying to impress, not putting his foot in his mouth. He's had enough of that. Lord, I'm fond of you. You know that, Lord. We're friends. He had no idea what Jesus would say. Jesus could have said, well, shame on you. Or that's about the level I expected after all I've done for you. That's the best I can get. No, Jesus doesn't do that. 
being the savior of grace that he is, he's got a plan for Peter. Peter's going to be involved in the establishment of the beginning of the church. Peter knows nothing of that. He said, Simon, tend my lambs, tend my lambs. Let's go from here. Let's go with fondness. It'll grow. But he doesn't stop. And so he says to him a second time, Simon, I don't know if you've ever been in class in a school where the teacher asks a hard question and you feel on the spot. It's one of those tough questions that you, you know, you dig down deep to get the answer and you kind of blurt it out and it's right. And you think, boy, that's done. It's somebody else's problem. Then the teacher says, now, let me ask you this. Oh, don't go there. Second time. If the first question was embarrassing, imagine the second question. But what makes it even more embarrassing is it's the same question without the comparative part. Simon, do you love me? Let's not try to compare it to James and John or to Twin or to, or, or, or to Nathaniel. Let's, let's just make this between you and me. Do you have a supreme love for me, agape? Peter's answer is identical. I appreciate the fact that he's unintimidated. I appreciate the fact that he is honest to the core, and he says exactly the truth, I'm fond of you. Yes, Lord, I'm fond of you. It's the best I can do. And he said to him, then shepherd my sheep. Understand, Jesus is never looking for perfection. He's looking for integrity. That's a terribly important point to make. We tend to put people into molds where they must produce perfectly. And when they fail, they're out. Only one is perfect, and that's the one asking the questions. Here, this failing, broken, humble, vulnerable vessel, still wet from the sea, answers over that campfire, best I can say is I'm fond of you, as far as I can go. Well, I have a plan for you. I want you to shepherd my sheep. <laughs> 17. See, you know too much. If you've never seen the story, it would all be such a surprise. Peter's never read John 21, so he doesn't know what's coming. And out of the blue, to his amazement, there's a third question, but it is not the same as the first two. Jesus says to Peter the third time, Simon, are you just fond of me? Now he uses Peter's word as John records it, Philae. You just have a friendship with me? Now Peter, uh, squirming his way into the sand, says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I'm fond of you. The first K and O-W is the word for intellectual, academic knowledge. The second word is a word for experiential knowledge. I know in my mind, academically, I know there is electricity in this room. I know it because the lights are on, sound system is working. I know because I know when they build buildings, they put wires in the buildings and the electricity is there. I know the Greek word is oida, I oida the electricity in the building. Now, if I reach into my notes here and pull out a paper clip and find an electric outlet and stick this, this paper clip into that electric outlet. If I live to tell the story, I know by experience that there is electricity in these walls. 
That's the second word, ginosko. Lord, you are omniscient. You know all things. Peter said that twice already. You know. You know. Now he says, you know all things. You know by experience. You know, you know I've denied you. You know I've failed you. I have to say to you, Lord, I stay where I started. I'm fond of you. And Jesus very graciously says, tend my sheep. Then he adds, truly, truly. Whenever you come across this, the old words are verily, verily, from the King James, verily, verily, truly, truly. Some renderings are amen, amen. Pay, pay attention at that point. Listen up. It's Jesus' way of saying, listen up. I say to you, Peter, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. You dressed yourself. You determined your direction. You would go with the kind of human passion that was, that was you know, second to none. You made up your mind. You had a will, and you exercised it, and you moved in the direction you wanted to go. But, Peter, you need to know that a change is in plan. A change is in motion. When you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and will bring you where you do not wish to go. John, having had 60 years to think on this, states in the next verse that Jesus was telling him about his death. Did you know that Peter died a martyr, crucified? Did you know that just minutes before his crucifixion, he was forced to watch his wife crucified and he told her, remember the Lord as she died. And then he said to his captors that he didn't deserve to die like his Lord and he requested that he be crucified upside down and they girded him and they took him where he did not, he would not have wished to go and he died a martyr upside down crucified. So John adds that little comment in verse 19 he said this, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. By the way, by the way, you and I have no idea what the ultimate future holds for us. By God's grace, it will not be as shocking and painful as was Peter's, but it will be surprising. You and I can't imagine what the next four or five or more decades would hold for our lives. Isn't that an intriguing thought? But depending on where your love is for him will have everything to do with going where he wants you to go rather than where you determine to go, which is what this passage is all about. And that's why Jesus says, verse 19 in the middle of the verse, when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. It's a present imperative in the Greek language and it's the idea of continuing to follow me. G. Campbell Morgan renders this, travel with me. I like that. Get on the road with me, Peter. Come on back. Let's go together. Remember when I first called you from the boat and you dropped your net and we traveled together? Peter, I know a lot has happened. A lot of water under that bridge for these last three and a half years. But Peter, my plans are for you to shepherd my sheep. Come on. Travel with me. And I think at that point he pushed himself up from the sand and brushed himself off and started in. And I want him to go and never turn around. But Peter, 
well, he's not perfect. And so he gets a couple of steps on the way and he turns around and there's John. John's pushed himself out of the sand and he's walking along with him. And Peter turns around and says, Lord, what about this man? See how it reads here? Verse 20, Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back on his breast at the last supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter seeing John said to Jesus, Lord, what, what, about, what about this man? What about John? Don't say that, Peter. I just want to, don't do that. You got so much going for you now. Don't stop and ask about somebody else. But this is Peter. This is you and me. I mean, if you're going to ask this hard thing of me, what about Shirley? What about Frank? Now look, listen, I've gone all the way through seminary. I mean, I've really sacrificed. I helped him with his grades. And here I am on the middle of a mission field, knocking myself out for Jesus. And I read in the school paper that he got to be president of the school. And he wouldn't have even graduated if it hadn't been for me. Lord, what about this guy? We do that kind of stuff all the time. Lord, I graduated magna cum laude. He graduated laude, how come? And, <laughs> and how in the world did he get to where he's going and I'm supposed to follow you in this way? Lord, Lord, what about this man? <laughs> See yourself there, don't you? We're all on the pages of the scriptures. Verse 22, Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You, me, follow. Literally, it reads that way. They're in juxtaposition, these two pronouns. You, me, travel. Get at it, Peter. Get your eyes off John. <laughs> See you, Galilee. What a great place. Next time you're there, remember the scene. Remember the conversation happened right there. But wait, this is all about them then and there. What about us now? I never know why the Lord leads me in my putting together thoughts for a message, but I always know he has somebody in mind. Usually it's me. Sometime it's someone else. Maybe you today. There are three lessons. As I think through the scene of what happened that ancient day on the Sea of Galilee, and I'd be so bold as to ask you to write them down. You've got a half sheet there to write on. You may not think you need them today, but when you get fired next week, you're going to wish you had those things. <laughs> or, you know what I'm saying, when things change as they say around the office, when they downsize, when the Lord's tapping you on the shoulder, saying, you know what? You think you've been here too long? So do I. Or maybe you think you're really going to be here forever? Let me give you another word. Here are three lessons for all of us at some stage of our lives. Number one, when the Lord offers an opportunity to change futility into fruitfulness, be open, be open. Remember they had fished all night 
kept casting those nets until dawn, and it was futile. Every net was empty, maybe a few fish, maybe a little bait now and then, but nothing really, nothing. Stop and think about your life. The Lord is willing to change your futility into fruitfulness, but you got to be open. you got to be open. I'm not saying it's miserable where you are. I'm not saying nothing is being accomplished. I'm just asking, is it really fruitful? Is it as fruitful as it could be with you doing your best, exercising your gifts, carrying out your responsibility? Is it in the mainstream of his plan for you? Or have you stopped to think lately? If he's moving you from futility to fruitfulness, be open to a change. Second lesson. When his plan is to move you into a new and challenging direction, expect a period of deep soul searching. When his plan is to move you into a new and challenging direction, expect a period of deep soul searching. Susan, do you love me more than these? Barb? Do you love me? Kim, do you love me? Bill, do you love me more than these? Herschel, do you love me more than these? Hank, Chuck, expect your devotion to be analyzed, your whole rooted habits to be pulled loose from around the soil. Expect deep soul searching. Be vulnerable. Be honest. Expect it. We're talking change, and it won't come without deep soul searching. Number three, when he makes it clear that you are to follow him, focus fully on him. Focus fully on him. Refuse to be overly concerned about others outside that calling. Refuse to be overly concerned about others outside that calling. What's my boss going to do if I up and leave? He's not a part of the calling. What are my neighbors going to do? This sick lady that I've been a part of, whose life I've been helping all these months, she's not a part of the calling. It's the calling. It's the calling, men and women. It's Jesus moving you away from a comfort zone into a realm unexpected, full of unfamiliarity. It's not about a boss, a neighbor, someone outside the circle of the calling. Get that. I would never have found myself in the state of Texas if I had hung on to the familiar and the comforting and the fulfilling and the enjoyable and all uh, another half dozen adjectives I could use, all of them wonderful. I'm not the example to follow. Jesus is the example. But I found myself most confused in the process of struggling through that because I brought others into the situation and it muddled the message. They weren't a part of the calling. Peter 
If I wish that John stay until I come, you, me, follow. I'll take care of John. I don't know how you raised your kids, but this is the way we raised ours. Soon as some of them reached the age where they thought they should be in charge, maybe you didn't have that problem. Let's go with our oldest, Kurt. Every once in a while, Kurt sort of felt like others had died and left him in charge of the world. And I would say, Kurt, I'll tell you what, you take care of Kurt, we'll take care of the rest of the family. Or if I say to Colleen when she got a little older, she was going to take charge. Colleen, you take care of Colleen, we'll take care of the rest of the kids. Peter, you, you take care of Peter. I'll, I'll take care of John. I'll take care of your neighbor. I'll handle your boss. Don't worry. That'll only confuse you. After all, when you stand before his presence and you give an account for your life, you will never give an account for your wife or your neighbor or your boss, no matter how godly they may be. This is one-on-one, -on -one, baby. This is you and him. That's how it works. This is a hard saying. My job isn't to make it easy. My job is to tell the truth. I'm not here to tell you what you want to hear. I'm here to tell you what you need to know as best I can understand it. That's why we need to listen to Jesus beside the sea. His words echo through the centuries, and they're still relevant, and they're still true. Let's bow our heads together, please. Normally, we give our closing thoughts to those without Christ, and certainly today, if you don't know the Savior who met these men beside the sea, this is a great day for you to meet him in the gymnasium at Collin County Community College, a little place we meet called Stonebriar Community Church. This is a great place, sitting there on that white plastic chair. None of the religious trappings, none of the other stuff you'd normally find in cathedrals of worship, just you and him just you and him. Just come to the cross. He met them by the sea. He'll meet you here in this place. But my main thoughts are for you who know the Savior. We've had a little fun together, but this is oh so serious. This is, this is you and your walk. This is your following him. This is your being willing to give up all the stuff, if necessary, to travel with him, to obey him going where he wants you to go, doing what he wants you to do. That's what this is about. I'm going to tell you, there's no satisfaction like it. It's the most fulfilling experience on earth. May he give you the, the grace and the courage to obey, whatever it may mean. It may mean stay right where you are. It may not mean that. Our Father, at this uh, epical moment of this message where you take over as the sermon ends, I pray that all who have listened so well during the message will now listen just as well to the still small voice as you communicate to the heart. And I pray that your spirit will make it altogether clear to those hearts need to be nudged away from what is comfortable and settled and moved into the realm of challenge and opportunity and new things, whatever you may have, whatever those lambs may be, 
that they're to tend, our sheep they're to shepherd. Find us faithful, find us willing, find us available. And now unto him who is able to guard us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. In his strong name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You're listening to Insight for Living. And with his closing prayer, Chuck Swindoll concludes his message titled, Listening to Jesus Beside the Sea. If you're joining us for the first time, we've reached message number 18 in a comprehensive 20-part biography of Jesus. It concludes very soon. If you're prepared to learn more about Jesus, be sure to visit us online at insightworld.org. If you're looking for ways to go deeper, let me suggest a practical next step for you. Chuck wrote a biography on the life of Christ called Jesus, the Greatest Life of All. This book is the perfect choice for your private study, and it's popular in small group settings as well. I saw a recent note on the Insight for Living website from one of your fellow listeners. It said, Chuck, our book club at our church is currently reading one of your books. We are all thoroughly enjoying your insights into becoming more Christ-like. Chuck's biography on Jesus is titled, Jesus, the Greatest Life of All. By reading about Jesus, it will help you deepen your respect for His sacrifice and cause you to love Him even more. In addition, all 20 sermons have been recorded and the entire collection is available right now. To purchase any or all of these resources, call us. If you're listening in the United States, call 800-772-8888 or go online to insight.org store. You know, Insight for Living is made possible not through the purchase of books and other resources, but through voluntary donations. In fact, we couldn't supply this daily teaching program without the partnership of friends like you. The best way to leverage your generosity is by becoming a monthly companion. A monthly companion is someone who values Chuck's Bible teaching so much they want to see these daily programs continue. And a monthly companion agrees to support Insight for Living every month. To become a monthly companion right now, call us. If you're listening in the United States, call 800-772-8888 or go online to insight.org slash monthly companion. I'm Bill Meyer. Join us next time when Chuck Swindoll continues his biographical study of Jesus called The Greatest Life of All right here on Insight for Living. The preceding message, Listening to Jesus Beside the Sea, was copyrighted in 1999, 2000, 2008, and 2023. And the sound recording was copyrighted in 2023 by Charles R. Swindoll, Inc. All rights are reserved worldwide. Duplication of copyrighted material for commercial use is strictly prohibited.